0: Hello, friends and wonderful people. What a privilege to be with you again today. I hope that wherever you are right now, that you're doing amazing. I'm sending you a massive hug through the airwaves and all of my support and energy and well wishes. Thank you for joining me on this episode. It is another amazing show. We have Kim Reed Fisk back on and we are talking about how to rewire your brain to remove common negative patterns and switch them to empowering programs. We dive in very deep in this episode and we un- we discuss a lot. We talk about the monsters under the bed or the ideas and limiting beliefs that kind of control us without us being even aware of it. We talk about neuroplasticity. We talk about how our identity can be shaped through pre-programming from our outside influences and how we can choose the programming we want once we know that. We talk about neuroplasticity and how neurons uh, fire and connect through repetition. We talk about brain uh, neurons we talk about the mental bloodhounds we talk about the subconscious mind scientific affirmations complicated equals why negative emotions are helpful we talk about the survival brain and so much more i'm looking at the show notes and there's it's massive show notes so this episode is awesome i know that you're going to enjoy it and if you like it please do three kind acts today i totally forgot i can't believe it that last episode i forgot to say that the best way for you to support the show is to do three kind acts in the world today Pick up a piece of trash, pay it forward, and say a kind word. You just did three kind acts. If you want to be a good human and you want to improve your life, um, the best way to do that is three kind acts a day. Go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. Um, So that's the best way to support the show. If you want to support it in other ways, please share this episode. I just went on and I did a short video about how iTunes is really frigging me. Um, I looked at the top shows, and one of the shows that was uh, ranked at 21 had 57 Review is at 4.7 stars. I have 121 or 114 at 5 star and I'm not even ranked in the top 200 so the best way for you to support this show is to share it on your Facebook, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, share the direct links that is really the only way that this thing is getting out there right now, I have no idea what's going on it's a huge bummer but I would really appreciate if you guys do that, also leave a review hopefully those rankings will kind of kick in here and there but that really helps as well um, also Patreon, thank you so much to everybody who's contributed on Patreon if you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and even toss something so nominal in there like a buck it helps immensely if one percent of my audience did that I would be able to afford groceries for myself daughter and family Um, so please consider doing that it helps immensely and yeah if it's like 12 bucks a year and you're all right with that then that would be great for me and I'd appreciate it so that wraps that up Uh, for those of you guys who are interested in coaching and training and you really want to dive deep on what we explore in this podcast mindset peak performance spirituality living a life of meaning and purpose flow state and all of those kinds of ideas and you want to learn how to apply them and master them in a simple way in your life either for yourself for your group or organization hit me up matt at zenathlete.com i'm doing more coaching i'm doing more group coaching and if you have a few of you who want to work together or you have an organization hit me up would love to work with you so just make an inquiry or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and fill out that form so i can get a little bit more information about who you are and what you're looking to do um thank you so much for those of you guys who've taken a moment to leave a review in itunes like i said they help immensely and this one is from digging for treasure from canada and it says clear and helpful transformational information and it says, I don't have a lot of time to watch podcasts, but some of the very best ones I have watched have been guests of his. He is a real seeker and he is helping all of us by sharing. So thank you so much for taking a moment to leave that review. It helps immensely and I very much appreciate it. Uh, make sure that you sign up to the email list at mattbelair.com because January 1st, I'm going to be doing a 21 day challenge. I am shaping it up now, designing it. It's basically going to be 21 days of coaching and exercises. Uh, we're going to go through together as a community. And so if you're interested in that, um, hit me up Matt Belair or, or sign up for the email list, but also hit me up Matt ZenAthlete.com. We'll make sure to get you signed up. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna basically walk you through what I do to start a year and what I walk my clients through and how to get very, very clear. So it's gonna be a group setting. There's gonna be a ton of coaching. There's gonna be a ton of insight. There's gonna be a ton of one-on-one. It's gonna be awesome. So make sure that you sign up for the email list and get ready for that. And that's it. So thank you so much for being here, for listening to this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. So let's come to a state of peace and coherence before diving in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, compassion, kindness, enthusiasm, inspiration, confidence, and ready to take on this incredible episode with Kim Reed Fisk. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an author, speaker, trainer, and is an emotion rewiring coach. Her passion is helping people identify and eliminate their monster under the proverbial bed. Welcome back to the show, Kim Fisk. Hey. Hey.
1: Good it's to great.
0: see you. Good to be yeah, here. Yeah, too. Uh, it's great to have you back. I remember our, our first podcast, maybe it's almost like a year ago now or more. So crazy. Your, your book came out and, and uh, I just remember when we were chatting how important the information was because you distilled it in a very simple way that I thought was important. And I've been meaning to do the second podcast for a while because I wanted to go through each of those elements and explore them because the way that you've... Um, put the information together, I think just the awareness alone is huge and super beneficial. So um, I know you've been on the show before, but why don't you give a little bit about your background, your book, and then we're going to dive into each of these elements one at a time so we can um, try to uncover these these monsters, so to speak, and, and how we can transform them.
1: Okay, so yeah, the book came out early October a year ago, so i don't remember exactly when I was on the show with you, but it was shortly after and um, I've had just amazing I did a book tour this last year um, lots of people have given me feedback about how it's impacted them so that's what really you know fires me up is how it really helps people shift uh, to uh, knowing who they really are and and what their real purpose is uh, on the planet so um, no, my background is I'm married, I have four kids, five grandkids, um, live partly in Las Vegas, partly in Southern Oregon, travel a ton, and my background professionally is well, I was a homeschool mom, I did drama and theater, I grew up singing and performing in church, but in my professional life, I've just been, uh, I've had a large experience in network marketing, leadership development, mentoring, training, coaching. And so uh, I do NLP. So I've got a lot of little tools in my tool belt. And this is where I've actually gotten the, the metaphor of the monster under the bed came through these all these in-the-trench conversations and experiences with real people and uh, hearing and seeing why everyone had this little voice. Like, it didn't matter, Matt, how put-together, perfect, successful, rich skinny, beautiful. It didn't matter. Everybody I ever, ever, ever worked with or just talked to had that little voice that said, you're not okay. You're not okay. You're not okay. And that just started wearing on me. Like, where did that really come from? What is that? So that's what ended up now to be the monster under the bed, uncovering the lie that drives us.
0: Yeah, that's so important. And the more I do this work, it just seems like a fundamental thing. It's so interesting. And Zen, they'll talk about the internal dialogue and and what's happening in in our minds. And most people don't pay attention to that. And most people don't realize that most of the time unfortunately most people that little voice is kind of an a-hole and it's not supporting you it's not in there being like you can do it you're enough you've got this don't worry about failures this is all these settings and all this programming that is like holding you back and like oh I'm not good enough I couldn't do this I couldn't do that you know I don't have a degree I don't have this and that and we're not aware of them and it's limiting the quality of our life and the quality of our consciousness and the quality of our life experience and so when we get what you've done with these 10 monsters and now you've uncovered covered some more is look at very common ones. And I've noticed that too, no matter how successful in uh, business, sport, entrepreneurship, beautiful people, that voice usually isn't super supportive. And so it's such a fundamental thing to understand the dialogue with yourself about yourself. And that's mm-hmm. really what I think your book is about. So I'd love you to talk about exactly what the the monster under the bed is. It, give a little bit of background on that. And then we're gonna go through Ideally, the, the 10 that you've identified, and, and maybe we'll do some bonus ones after that.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's a different way of even thinking about, because a lot of times we'll go negative self-talk, right, or limiting beliefs and that inner dialogue. Well, this premise comes from the, the, the position that when we were, like, how, were we, how we were neurologically created, basically our whole identity from now as adults from all of our life was steeped and created and, and uh, the impetus of it was we were only born when we were born with survival instincts, the survival emotional limbic part of our brain. We came pre-programmed with, with some survival programming. Fear is a huge survival instinct. Pollyannas that meditated out on the hillside didn't make it you know, in the evolutionary process. They they needed to be fearful, like, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going to happen, right? So sometimes, Matt, I judge myself, I judge others that are very fear-based, but honestly, we didn't have a choice in that matter initially, right? Initially, we came pre-programmed. We also are primates, and so we're a communal species. We're not like I have deer out my window here in Oregon, and they They give birth and they nurse for a little bit, but they're pretty self-sufficient. That's not us. We have to have people take care of us. We have to have people in an emotional language. We have to be acceptable to people in order to survive, right? This is all done without any language, without reasoning, without logic. That part of our brain doesn't develop fully until our mid-20s. But guess what? You already are. By your mid-20s. Well, sometimes you really screwed up. Because <laughs> but this explains why. It's not judgment. It's like, oh, you know why I hear that voice? And actually, I'm going to kind of give another perspective to how you say uh, it's not our friend. It actually doesn't know it's not our friend because it, lo- it it is our friend in its perspective. It has no connection to logic. Even now, your emotional part of your brain only hears and speaks understands emotion. So when we were little and we didn't have any way of processing anything that happened to us even if it wasn't a negative thing that happened let's say our our mom slapped our hand from touching the hot stove right it would take logic or she yelled at us about something i mean and first of all we're raised by our parents monsters to begin with right so there's very little hope that any young developing entity is going to uh, uh, develop accurately because you needed brain equipment you didn't have yet. So we processed everything emotionally with the running question. Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Am am I going to be accepted? Am I be, uh uh-oh. And then fear strikes, even if it's illogical, it's still there. And the limbic brain the amygdala, whatever I call her Amy in the book, she only speaks back in emotional responses, which the two primary ones I address are fight and flight. Because that's the that's how we survived. And we still do, but we just now, it doesn't make sense to us, does it? All the times where we go, wait, why don't I do what I say? The logical brain is now kicked in. In fact, that's who we're talking to today is that part of our brain and now from awareness you can go oh that's what i want i hope from the work i do with the book and with what i'm doing starting out with people going that's why that voice triggers whenever i get fearful or i set a goal setting a goal is messing up the status quo trying to grow as a person you're messing you're messing with your survival emotional <laughs> wiring because it, even if you're miserable, there's a part of that part of your brain that doesn't want things to change. Because it doesn't know you will survive the change. See how illogical that is? And that's still today. So we, so we were created, here's the bottom line premise from it, is we, our identity was steeped and layered and cemented with this, number one, the lie that says I'm not okay. Then you had configurations of why you aren't okay and how that's a flight feeling, like a flight feeling I believe is shame. First one, we're going to talk about in a second. And on its heels is a fight message called, well, showed up in different ways in each of our lives, but the fight message is proving I'm going to make sure I'm okay because I have to survive. So what do I do? I look around at my environment, people that in my world that are, that's who's deciding pretty much everything when we're little is these people that are around us. And for me, it was music. I was like, I grew up in church singing, blah, blah, blah. I looked around. I'm like, okay, they value this. I better do it. I better be good at it. I better, And they're helping me do that as well because it's what they value. So it's kind of how we ended up having to prove that we were acceptable. We had to do something. And the biggest thing I say in the book is you can never get enough of what you never needed to begin with because we never needed it but we didn't know it emotionally and emotionally is who's driving the show even today in fact most of the time when i'm i see it in myself i see it in uh, people i coach and people i know your emotional brain is still in the driver's seat without investigation the emotional survival illogical brain is still driving your little three-year-old is still driving but we use now the logical brain to rationalize, justify, and defend the decisions our little three-year-old self makes. So it, sound, it feels better because we feel like we're. it makes sense somehow now that I want the red Corvette. And you know when it really was about me making sure I look good and making sure everybody recognizes how amazing I am and they want to be me because but I don't want to be me. So I don't, you know what I mean? Like this, but we rationalize it. Well, the resale value on that's really going to be good. And we're going to, you know, it's, gets pretty good gas mileage compared, you know what I mean? Like This is how we use the logical brain today. If without investigation.
0: Yeah. All of that is, is so well put and very succinct and super important because we operate most of the day in our logical mind, but we don't understand we're driven by all these subconscious unconscious motives and then yeah we use the logical mind and we we say this is why we're doing it this is why we have to show up at a job we hate forever you know this is why i'm unhealthy this is why this and this and this and we we seek excuses and we're also you know it's so important to understand that this wiring comes like right from childhood there's a famous i think it's socrates or aristotle one of them is like give me the boy until um they're five the age of five and i'll show you the man and that's and in working with a lot of people too, and coaching, what I've realized doesn't matter where they are in their life. That set of childhood really shapes who they are still because we didn't get the education to really understand all of this subconscious stuff, why we operate the way we do. So that way we can bring awareness to it and then change the things we need to. So that is just so well put. I don't need to add anything else to it. And there's one more, there's
1: one more component that I think will be helpful, especially as we continue the conversation. And that is an actual neurological, uh, you know, in the last, I don't, I, I don't know exactly, but it's a recent discovery of neuroplasticity. They used to think that, uh, once your brain was at a certain point, it was like, it was solidified. There was no changing it. Right. So that's been a recent, um, discovery in medicine that your brain can change. Well, how the brain actually, how this thought and emotion loop got wired in us is through a process called firing and wiring Hebb's law. And what fires together wires together. And so, in the research of my book, um, I discovered some cool stuff about it. Uh, wiring, especially, which follows firing, wiring happens uh, through repetition. I had a stroke uh, occupational therapist woman say, You know, we retrain brains now to pick up, so they just repeat, 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 right? Pick up a pen, pick up a fork, do something over and over. That's wiring. But no one really could ever tell me. In the research I did, and even doctors I talked to, I said, what causes the firing? Well, firing, one of the things I believe, and there could be more things that cause firing, so I don't want to be the exhaustive answer here, but what it fits my metaphor, it fits my work, it fits everything I've experienced and discovered, is that to the degree you have an emotional response to something, you will fire neurons neurons will actually fire like this isn't a this isn't a character flaw you guys this is not something a moral deficit people have this is actual firing and wiring of your neuropathways pathways of thought and emotion this is like programming of a physical computer it this is what how it happened that's what you're a victim of without understanding these processes so to the degree you have a an emotional experience now when you're little that's pretty much all you can have because you don't even have the brain equipment. You can't. Have you ever tried reasoning with a three-year-old? Five-year-old? It doesn't really work. They don't get it. As much as you would come on, listen to me. Can't you understand not to touch that, not to run out into the street? It would take a brain they don't have yet. We didn't have yet. So it fired. Let's say I'm first grade. I stand up in front of my class to give a little... Report about what I did over summer vacation and I pee my pants. Right? Is that an emotional experience for that little first grader? Absolutely. It's humiliating. The class laughs. So if that had happened just once, there's a firing, definitely, that happened then. But our brain also, your your imaginative brain does not know the difference between a vividly imagined event or something that really, really did occur in your physical world, because your subconscious is not uh, connected to a timeline or linear, it's like it's happened again. It happened again. Every time I thought of that with the accompanying humiliation emotion, and that picture of me doing it, like the sensual uh, images and feelings were connected, I did it again to my deep self, I did it again, I wired, I wired, I wired, I wired. And then there's something I talk about in the book, and I'm not going too much into it now, because we don't have time. It's called mental bloodhounds. The minute I tell that part of my brain, the reticular activating system is really what it is. The minute I give it anything that I believe is true, how do I give it that through an emotional feeling like (gasps) (gasps) I'm not okay, right? And I'm not okay, because and that's what everybody's like, a fingerprint. Everybody has their own, <coughs> sorry, I got worked up on that, inhale. <coughs> um, <laughs> you know, what, what everybody, how they interpret why they're not okay is like a fingerprint. Everybody has their own kind of configuration about it. But the minute I give that significance or truth to that part of my reticular activating, the mental bloodhounds, it's almost like I just gave it a scent that it can only now pay attention to that, to that evidence that supports that and anything that happens in my life that might, Oh, she's not okay. She's not okay. She see it doesn't sit there and argue with you and say, well, honey, you are, you are unconditionally loved. You are intrinsically valuable and worthy. It doesn't argue. It says your wish is my command. Tell me what your belief is through how you feel And that's how we got when we were little. we Now all of our life, we've been just gathering the data brought to us. The the, the mental bloodhounds have been showing us that we're right about not being okay. You're right, Kim. You get to be right about it. (gasps) And to some degree, Matt, and I know you know this, and in my life, I've seen it. Sometimes it's more important for me to be right about how bad I am, about how unworthy I am, about how imperfect I am, about how stupid I am. Not good enough I am. And when you start unwiring and deconstructing this, you kind of go, whoa, wow, that's why these patterns keep showing up in my life. That's why I keep getting in relationships with these same kind of people, because I get to be right about how stupid, dumb, imperfect, they're actually, I track them so that I can prove that I'm bad you know, on some level. Anyway, so that's kind of the emotional, mental configuration of how it was actually, it's a wiring that, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that is all so excellent. And, and the way that I understand a lot of that, when I'm studying hypnosis in brain development, what I realized is and what, what I learned was that the brain when it's, I think it's zero to five or zero to seven in there, you don't have what's called the critical factor. So you can't say, hey, Matt, you're awesome. Hey, Matt, you're dumb. Hey, Matt, this, that. You're you're unable to distinguish all that. So in hypnosis, you bypass the conscious mind. That's why a hypnotist or a magician will distract your mind and take your focus here. Because if you're focused over here, you can't see this next thing. You can't see the suggestion. Or just like if we're doing a guided visualization or relaxation, I say, you know what? Uh, you have a healthy body and you love working out and you're like, bro, I'm 300 pounds. I, I eat chicken, fried chicken all the time. I hate working out. Right. That's what the critical factor does. It it protects that identity that you've shaped, but from zero to seven, you don't have that. So it just goes in, you just accept it. And then it becomes wiring and the more emotion the stronger yep. it's going to be. And that's why you remember things, you know, um, yep. some, like I was just at a Tony Robbins event and he said, you know, use this kind of same example. He's but do you remember where you were at nine eleven? Well you probably do because it's such a world event that was emotional and you'll remember birthdays, you know, remember special events, but you won't remember, you know, maybe six months ago on Tuesday. You know what I mean? Where were you? April, <laughs> April 7th, unless there was some sort of emotional event. like, what the hell was I doing on April 7th? You know? And so, it's so important in how the mind works and emotion and everything that I've studied about how to create or manifest, you know, all the law of attraction, all the metaphysical esoteric, it comes down to understanding what that goal is, but you have to match the emotion and in sport, you have to, you have to match the feeling because I've done so many backflips on my snowboard. I don't even need to warm up. I haven't snowboarded in months. You give me a jump. As long as I kind of understand it, I'll go do a backflip first try. Now doing that, I, the first time, not going to happen because I'm terrified. I don't know what it feels like. I don't know what it's like to be upside down. I don't know if I'm going to land back on my feet. Oh my goodness. We have got like a power outage. Can you see me?
1: Oh no. What the heck? Hello? Hello? What the heck is going
0: on? Okay, so should be back in the game, I hope, um, yeah, so I think I was talking about um, you know the snowboarding how how you develop the feeling, but the other thing that I think that you made a, a point on that 's so important is the emotional feeling and um, it, just to kind of reiterate that because there 's a book that Yogananda wrote, uh, the autobiography of a Yogi, but he also wrote a very small, simple, and powerful book book called Scientific affirmations, and the premise of the book is very small is one important point he 's like. The reason why you're saying your affirmations and they are not working is because you are putting no spiritual will toward that thing. So it's just like, you know, I want an ideal career, right? And you measure that emotional force on a scale of one to a hundred. When you say it at best, you're maybe at five. Most people say it at like three out of a hundred. Maybe if you're pretty good, you're doing it at like 15 out of a hundred, maybe even 20. Some people who manifest really well are good at, at amping up that energy, but the emotional energy, the spiritual will is paramount in getting the ideal job, the ideal mate, Um, finding your career, whatever the case, uh, getting healthy, whatever the case may be. And so the example that I use is just imagine uh, a mother goes up to a car that's been flipped over and their son or daughter is in there and they're like one to three years old, just these babies. They're not going to think about how much they squat, how in shape they are. If they can move the car, they're going to go over there and they're going to move that thing. And there's many recorded cases of this happening. And that is because they looked at that and they used every ounce of their entire being To move that thing they were so emotionally driven about what was happening that there was no two ways about it so what if you had these affirmations or these goals and then you use that right and you scaled it up to a minimum 80 and that's adding that emotional um, element to it and the other thing that I wanted to talk about that you said that I 100% agree with is the way that the neurology works when you do uh, something for the first time, it creates one neural connection let 's say you try to throw a ball, you do it absolutely terribly, and it 's going to create one neural connection and maybe a few others because you 're going to be learning different things. But the more you throw a ball over and over and over and over and over again, it creates a neural connection. It creates a neural map and it 's very, very strong and so because our emotional neural maps that we 've created in our minds are so emotional they 're so strong. And I forget how you put it, but it's basically like a slide. So you're going down, the you're going down. And somebody says something, and that's what's going to connect to that neural map of not good enough because it's so big and large, right? And it's going to look for any reason to fire that off because it's so massive in the brain. And what we know now through neuroplasticity, visualization, and things like that, is if we begin to reset, like nip it in the butt focus on what we want, instead feeling worthy, good enough and whole and complete through our breath and breathing, um, it affects our neurology. Um, What happens is what's called neuro pruning. So that map begins to shrink and the map you prefer begins to build and that is bringing consciousness and awareness to how you operate in the world, how you feel about things and how you navigate life. And that changes the entire way you experience life and what you get and your results and how you feel. And then eventually you get to that point where it's not so much about the outer world because your inner world is so solid, the outer world begins to match that. And you have to do it in the inner world before you get it to the outer world.
1: That's exactly, absolutely.
0: So you pick it up from here.
1: Well, okay, if you want me to start over with the, (laughs) I moved because that sun was just wonky too. You guys, those of you who are enduring this like, I hope you're getting value because we're all over the place here. <laughs> Matt's coming and going. I'm moving around. And anyway, but the value. I, I, I love this conversation. So we'll just do it for you and I. But uh, let's just talk about, let's just move into how this shows up. What are the things I refer to as monster tracks in the book? Because um, it's, it's those behaviors and reactions that you find yourself doing, those triggers that get you um, that, that show you there's a lie. I talked about, um, so shame is the number one monster track. And I believe shame is what we felt when we were little, that, that feeling that made us feel like we're not okay. I think flight was the feeling that came first from the amygdala, like hide, get away. Don't let them see, don't let them know that you're not good enough. Right. And we still feel that today, like imposter syndrome. I hear people talking about that, it's like, well, even if you do succeed, you think it's going to all go away in a minute because you're not worthy of it. And it, you, it it's, you're you going to get found out. Like I've heard so many people say that kind of thing. And um, so shame is that first feeling we had and on its heels though, because you have to be okay. It's not an option for you in your survival makeup to not be okay. So uh, to be acceptable because the people have to take care of you. Remember that? So you're going to find it's a fight message that comes on its heels. Like, well, you better look around and make sure you know what these people value in your world, and they're going to be pushing you in that direction too. So you're going to end up just wanting to prove that you're okay. So um, the other tracks I think are are circled around shame. Shame, and then I think self-judgment is the the next thing that comes. It's in the book. I call it people-pleasing first. But if I were to rewrite the book today, I'd put judgment next because that that's like the partner in crime was shame because what happens is is the minute and that's just what can happen you guys right now too as you are waking up and becoming more aware of this deeper part of you this voice that you feel pulling you you're also going to get more miserable because the contrast between who you really that deeper you that real you and the real and the you that you see in your reality it's going to get worse it's going to get more and more conflicted because you're going to notice it more. Awareness is awareness is the beginning of transformation, but it, you can't stop at awareness. Awareness, you're just going to aware yourself to death because of judgment. You're going to go, well, I should know better. I should know better. Well, I oh, okay, I know, I know, I know. The more you know, the worse it actually can be for you. So I don't, and we're going to talk hopefully at the end, Matt just gave some great stuff about rewiring too, that once you move into a different place, it's not, the transformation isn't, it's going to start with your logical brain. You're going to understand stuff, hopefully, even from this call or other things you're doing. But you can't stop with trying to rewire it logically. It doesn't work. It didn't wire logically, and it's not going to rewire logically, fully. You can't talk yourself out of it. So uh, self judgment will keep you going back to shame, going back to oh, "I suck, I suck, I suck." Um, the next one is people pleasing, and of course, you're going to be a people pleaser. That's going to that's in your natural wiring as a as a human because people have to take care of you you've got to make sure are you how about now do you like me is am I okay am I okay that's the driving emotional question the minute you're born you don't even have language or understanding around it but emotionally that is your driving question am I okay without your logical brain you have no way of coming up with an accurate answer (laughs) for our identity because it took logic you didn't have So you're always gonna think I'm not okay and I've gotta make sure you take care of me and you like me and did that make you happy? And you're 45 and you're still trying to make your mom happy or not make your dad pissed off. And you've got a whole family of your own. It doesn't make any sense. And you know it, your spouse probably knows it, you know, or people that are trying to keep peace all the time, like they don't want conflict. (gasps) You can't have any conflict because people have to be happy. That's a deep wiring that came pre-programmed in us. So don't judge yourself harshly. But let's unwire it and let's look at it now with a logical brain uh, to do the work. Okay, comparison is another huge monster trap. I dealt with it in my health and weight loss business for years because women are – social media, you know, fuels this one a ton. Like, I want to look like that. Media in general look fuels it. Uh, women have to look like, you know, if someone else looks better, that just – Oh, see how I'm right about how ugly I am. See how I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not good. I'm, they're better. They're better. They make more money. They live in a better house. They go on better vacations. They've got better kids. But you guys, per- comparison is how we were raised. Think about it. You're in school, right? How, do they show everybody that's all the good kids best and get all the awards and get all the A's? And um, so if you don't look in sports, Matt, sports is, oh my gosh, they're better because they win. There's got to be a winner and loser, right? Sports are not set up to feed self-esteem or to feed the real true self. Sports as a rule, as we know it, as I know it, from a young age, you're put up against others. How do you compare? How do you compare? How do you compare? Now, in all of these things, I said this earlier, but I want to say it again for this, for this uh, point. Is comparison... Bad? No. Is comparison good? No. It's and. It's a hashtag and on all of these things. Is there a component of comparison that actually we can use it to our advantage to serve us, to say what's possible, to maybe, you know, incentivize us, not through a, your identity is not on the line here, right? Not that kind of uh, validation, but like, well, wow, if they, I've done this many times in my life wow, if they've done that, maybe I could. Do you see the difference in energy? The, the impetus is what you look at. Monster energy is what I call it. I said that they have a drink already with that <laughs> trademark. But, but the energy source you are coming to anything from, watch that. That is your indicator light, okay, from the energy. So if it's a, if my intrinsic value is measured in this comparison, then then I'm not going to. This isn't going to be a road I want to go down. This is a monster track that's not going to serve me. You can jump in anytime. I'm just going to. What I was going to say,
0: what I was reminded of is there's a really great quote by Theodore Roosevelt, and it says, Comparison is the thief of joy. And also to understand that this is just how our our logical mind functions because it did keep us safe. It helped us evolve for thousands of years when we were, we were out there. But the you know, in the in the jungles and, and whatever the heck we were doing to survive in primitive ways, but we still have that brain. We still have that memory. We still have all of that ancestral remembering of like, oh my God, remember when we were getting eaten by like saber tooth tigers and all frigged up stuff? And then we learned how to get the stick and stab it. But well, we still needed to be prepared because that thing is nuts. You know, we still yeah. have that in the brain, and so it's good to understand and know that. This mind and those primitive parts of the mind, or they call it the, what is it, like the lizard brain or whatever the heck, the heck it is, those parts of the brain, they keep us safe. And they still do it today. When you're, in, when you're walking across the street, usually you look both ways so you don't die. If You know what I mean? It's a right. good thing. But the problem is it's doing it for like this identity for us, right? It's like, oh, this is the identity we need to protect so we can worthy, be worthy mm-hmm. and then we need to validate it. And then we, get, we need to get all these material external things so we can assure we're enough and we wake up the next day and just move forward to make sure that we're enough. And so when we understand that this is just how the mind is wired, um, yeah. we can take that and we can switch it. So what I'd love to to chat about, because you've said five things so far, which are all very um, on point, um, um, where'd my document go? I just want to, okay. You got shame, which is huge. So many people deal with that. And the other thing is that what I've noticed is if there's an emotional trauma or something that makes us feel not good enough, when we move about throughout the day, so many people will relive that thing. And that yeah. energy will come almost as, as big as the time it happened, just to remind us, like, this is, this is the thing, you know, this is who you are. And this is like, this is why you're not good enough to keep that, that track going. So we need to be able to rewire it. We need to be able to change it. So One of the things that I really like when I'm teaching athletes or helping people, I say, you know, so what do you want? And this came from Michael Lozier, who wrote the book, the author, uh, author of the law of attraction, one of my first mentors, amazing guy, such a simple premise. If I'm trying to do my first backflip, and I do not want to land on my head, and the way that the mind works, because it wants to keep me safe is like, yo, man, that jump is pretty big. You could land on your head. You could go to the hospital. You could get paralyzed. You could overshoot it. You could not do it. You could, you could do too much. You could do all this. And it's going and it's painting all this fear. But in me, I'm like, you know what? I have the skills. I got the capability. And so if I don't want to fall on my head, what do I want? And so I would love to go through each one like really quick and just identify them and see if we can have the solution. And then maybe at the, maybe before we could do it now or after, like talk about a bit of that rewiring. So we go, here's the shame that pops up. Here's a strategy. So what do I want and how we can begin to nip that uh, wiring and start to build a more empowering neural net belief or uh, mental experience, emotional experience.
1: Well, and to me, the, the rewiring is is um, I kind of wrap it up in the book with, you know, it applies to all of them. So I don't, you know, you're going to, the deeper part of you is actually going to guide the specifics of the emotional um, exercises because, uh, you know, like if they're, like I gave the example of the first grade boy that peed his pants, right? Like if if that has still haunted you, like I've dealt with people who are who it's like as real as when it happened, something happened 30 years ago. And when they revisit that, it's like right now, your subconscious is not linear. There's no time, there's, it, it might um, organize memories in a timeline, but in terms of um, the impact, it's still acting as if it's the truth. Like it doesn't know that it happened 30 years ago. And the minute, it's so cool when I do some exercises and work with people to rewire, I just have them go ask their subconscious, not even under hypnosis. This isn't even a hypnosis thing. This is like a, well, just get quiet, do some breathing and go ask, where was the first time you felt that emotion, right? So then we do, but I can't really go into the specifics of how to rewire every one of these, but the general, um, the general principle of rewiring definitely, um, I, I want to talk about because I told people, I don't know if it was on the recording or on the live when the recording stopped for a minute, but that that I don't want to leave people hanging with just awareness, you know, because awareness alone, you'll, you'll kill yourself more. In fact, the irony that hit me a couple weeks ago is our survival brain will end up killing us. Ironically, isn't it? Because the survival brain is only steeped. Look at the levels of anxiety and fear and, and, uh, emotional distress right now, conflict in the world, right? Well, that's, that's the playground of your survival brain. And without logic, we're all killing each other. We're killing each other right now. We're killing ourselves. We're killing each other. Divisions in our, in our world are, are at the all-time high. And we just keep going further and further down that path. So rewiring is, has to, we've got to, yeah, we've got to well, do that. you
0: said that, that, that's such a huge insight because what it immediately made me think about is we're killing each other over this like fictitious idea of ourselves of like the comparison is the idea of myself of who I should be. And and, uh, this other fictitious idea of, you know, what I believe is more important than what what you believe. And this is where we have wars and religions and different cultures doing things to protect something that is an idea. And it's not actually tangible in who and what we we actually are. It's an idea of how we perceive and navigate. In the same way, it's like, well, I'm not good enough. And so I put that up there. And and Greg Braden talks about three universal fears. Um, You know, I think it's not being... uh, I had to re-look them up, but I, I, I kind of modify them to not being loved, not being accepted, not being good enough. I think his are a little bit different. If you Google it, you'll find it. Um, but I've, I've noticed that in myself, and I've noticed it in almost everybody I've worked with. And again, super successful people have this. And it's yeah. so it's, it's a fascinating thing that we live in this culture where our programming is so – negative on ourselves and when you said that i was like you know that's where the evolution is that's where the evolution of humanity is is in that consciousness because only if you can evolve past that consciousness um where you where you're letting that run you can you become peaceful can sure. you become whole can you become nonviolent? because otherwise you have to protect this thing that you think that you are which you actually are not is very and gross. it doesn't even live in the i think that i am
1: it's, it lives in the know that I, I don't even think about it because it's the deepest groove of my wiring. It's my identity. It's steep. That's why, um, well, let, let me just keep touching on these because I want to really talk more about, uh, the rewiring and running to the roar, like how to actually do something about it, like with the amount of time we have. And I don't even know now that we're kind of messed up with our time, What we are, but I got
0: um, all day. It's up to you. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> this okay. is too good.
1: <laughs> it is good. Um, so comparison, yes, comparison's the thief of joy. All of these things, what what this is, is why the monster tracks are important to know or be aware of is so that you can it can be like your indicator light that shows up in your car. Like not to go to judgment about it, but to go, oh, oh, wait, I got really wonky. I felt really depressed. Why? Like you guys, if you would just look at the emotional, the emotions that show up in you, and move to the observer of them and not the aligner. How you know you're going to align initially because that's how you're going to know you're that's an issue for you. You're going to feel the negative emotion initially: anger, hurt, um, depressed, r- hopeless, whatever. Pick guilt. You're going to feel one of those negative emotions first. Then now I'm talking to your logical brain. Let those emotions be your first indicator that, oh, why do I feel this way? Do you ever do that um, where you just go, wait, I'm feeling wonky. I do this kind of a few times a year, it seems like. I will go, why am I feeling wonky today? What's up? And I just get quiet. And then I ask, and then I go, oh, that's because I was in control mode. And that's coming, one of the monsters. That's because I was controlling and I had an unmet expectation of one of my kids over here. And, oh, okay, thank you. And then I just meet it with gratitude for showing me that's my issue. It's not their issue. <laughs> the people that are pissing you off, it's not about what they're doing. It's about how you're processing it and it shows you where you are. And that's the key for those that are ready to do the inner work. It's a uncomfortable slash painful slash death-like experience emotionally, because you're really, you are triggering death emotions to that deeper part of you that was wired through survival. Okay, so sorry, that's, that's another thing, but that, that is a huge piece of the rewiring. Button pushed, because when you get your button pushed, what happens? You get angry. How many of you have anger that just hits like that? Okay, there's no judgment about it. Well, I mean, I don't even care how bad you react when you're angry. I'm still not going to approach it with judgment, nor do I recommend you do. If you approach any of these monster tracks with judgment, guess what it actually does? It exacerbates the actual thing to begin with. The thing wasn't as bad on its own until judgment kicked in. The thing is never as bad as what happens if you meet it with judgment. So like in my health and weight loss world, like, right? Right. Oh, I'm doing really well. I've lost 30 pounds, you know, in a month or whatever, and I, I've stayed true to my program. I'm on my diet. What happens when you eat the cookie? If you just eat the cookie and kind of go to an emotional neutral position or an emotional denial actually about it, you don't even revisit it on an emotional energy level at all. You're fine. But do we do that? Nope. We go, oh crap, why did I do that? I ate the cookie, oh, I'm so bad, see? See, I never can stick to my diet. Here the mental bloodhounds coming in. See, I'm always doing this. What makes me think I could do this again? I could never do this, Ah." And you'll tell 10 people. Oh, you tell 10 people, and you go eat 10 more cookies.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's true.
1: (laughs) Because why not? I'm already bad, I'm already off, I'm off.
0: And that example too, it's, it's important to understand, like when you talked about the fingerprint, because the way that I live is very healthy, not everything I do, you know what I mean? Um, But as far as like fitness goes, I have a pretty good fitness practice. I wouldn't give a crap. I'd eat the cookie and I wouldn't judge myself because I don't have an issue with it. But something I do have an issue with, um, I'd be like, oh my goodness, you know what I mean? And then then my mind would trigger and turn on and tell me why I'm not good enough. And it, it reminds me of what people are referring to as shadow work now. And I feel like people... In general, when I hear it, some people, I feel like it, it, it makes sense. And sometimes I'm like, it sounds like it's general fluff and you don't understand it and I don't understand it and there's no like tangible thing. What I'm hearing and the way that you share it, I feel like is powerful shadow work. And when I think about it, it's all the stuff in you that isn't perfect. It isn't the ideal mat. I was supposed to wake up at 6 today, but I woke up at 8.30. And then, you know, because of that, then I get up and I judge because I'm not that perfect guy who's Jocko Willink getting up at 4.30 a.m., swinging some kettlebells, right? I'm doing okay and I can do better. But when I add in the judgment of myself of not being this ideal person perfect um picture for the girls it's like skinny photoshop perfection look you know what i mean smelling wonderful all the time for me whatever that ideal is and because i'm not hitting it then i'm not enough and there's always this gap to being enough yeah, and then all of those monsters come in you know and they do their thing to make sure that i stay in that way so i just want to share that because it's very
1: important Yeah. and you never will get there from there you will never get to enough from there, you can never make enough money. You can never be fit enough, never be healthy enough, never be rich enough, never be perfect enough, never be smart enough. You will never be. And that's the cause of our suffering in this world. Like we keep striving for something. You know, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're not going to find it externally. And, um, and you're not going to find it cerebrally, by the way. Like it, it, this can, you can't talk yourself into, you can't only use that. That's a piece of it. So, um, but watch and see what pushes your button. What right now, Matt, we're in a, we're in an offended, a button ready to be pushed world. Like watch what, you know, I've got my kids saying, mom, you can't say that. Okay. Okay. Did I, I mom, or people are saying, oh, you can't, you can't call it bad or you can't now. Is it good? Yes. Is it bad? Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's all, but my, and I talk about a a great example in my book about this. Actually, I'm not going to reiterate it here, but the point of it is offense is always taken. Even if it's not, even if it's meant, like someone could be really angry and their button pushed towards me. So does that mean what? I don't, I don't have to, if you get a button pushed, whether it's an offense that you've been offended by, or you get angry about, go look, because my, my principle that I'm pointing out here is that you're, there's a wound you're protecting with that button. People are getting too close, or you just need to be right, or you're worried about somebody knowing something you don't want them to know about you. And there was an inference or an eye roll, like it can be all kinds of stuff, Right that just says oh no you this is uh, this is not okay so button pushed all or nothing and you have to really this is goes back to that the the, the most the da- the most dangerous part of the truth is the untruth that it's wrapped in because the uh, and the, the most dangerous part of the untruth is the truth that's threaded through it so a lie the most powerful lie has some truth threaded in it. And the most powerful truth is going to have trappings attached many times of things that aren't really in that truth itself. You see it in religion. You see it in uh political world, like the all or nothing. If you're this, then you're an idiot. If you're a Democrat, you're a blah, blah, blah. If you're a Republican, you're, you're in Canada. You might not, but you understand American politics enough. I'm sure you have it in Canada, but, um, it's all over the world. It's like the minute I label anything, I will only see that. The 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 mental bloodhounds, remember? So the minute I say or label something as all something, there might have been a thread of truth that I did resonate. Even in my I talk about, you know, kind of looking at a Republican and a Democrat conversation. And if we all sat down without our survival brain triggered, if we all sat down, we would probably go, oh, well, that's what I think too. Oh, well, I see that point. I see the need for that. But we can't ever come reason together. Stephen Covey talks about seek first to understand, then to be understood. Because once you're coming from that calm, not needing to be right, not your ego and identity threatened at the survival level, which is what most of us run on most of the time, If you can let that down and come at it differently, you're going to, I may not still end up fully agree with you, but who cares? I don't have to agree with everything that you're doing or anyone else is doing. And I understand why you're doing it now. Everyone, I don't know, all or nothing, watch it. I see it in the health world all the time because about the cookie, remember? Well, I've already had one cookie, so I'm off. I'm already off. So I'm going to go eat everything tonight. That's all or nothing thinking yeah
0: well those those are all fantastic points and what you're sharing is what i learned through hypnosis so mm-hmm. i was i you know my teens I, I still do i studied anything on mind power psychology personal development hypnosis came up i studied the crap out of hypnosis and one of the one of the things is you can use it to persuade and but it's also important to know when you're being persuaded so one of the things you're saying is called a complicated equal this equals that i've eaten the cookie. Uh, so I'm fat, you know what I mean? Um, I've gone to McDonald's, so I'm worthless. Or I don't have a college education, so I'm not smart enough. It's a complicated equal. You say one thing that equals another thing that doesn't really equal that. And there's another um, way that you do it in hypnosis. Um, You you state a fact, and then you give a command so it could say um you know you're american so clearly you love you're interested in politics or i'm a canadian obviously you love and are interested in hockey you know it doesn't make any sense but if you if you take yeah. a fact and then you use a word clearly suddenly obviously an ly word um then it becomes way more persuasive because you said something that's true yeah. and when you want to go to more advanced techniques and i tested these techniques text- techniques out in sales and persuasion out in the world. And I'd write a script and I only want positive things to happen to people. So I would have to figure out positive situations where I'd want to hypnotize, um, you know, people to do a positive thing. And usually it was about like, um, you know, loving themselves or feeling really good. And then I would watch, you know, like how I could transform and, and with hypnosis, you need an end goal in mind. Right. So it'd usually be like, I want you to feel really good, but the hypnosis part is I want you to feel so good. You would like dance. You know what I mean? And eventually, if I could do the language pattern, they would get to a point where they would actually just, for no reason, like, why the heck are you dancing? I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is so wild and amazing. But one of the longer language patterns is four facts, one command, three facts, two commands, two facts three commands and then you're basically going through so all of that realness and that's what they do as far as big institutional structures this includes and if you're religious all the power to you but this is they're, they're doing that because if you take I went to the Parliament of World Religions and I always like to be soft as I can here but there's 220 different religions if you believe that one that's totally fine but there is a process in, in a way that you can get people to do certain things Scientology uses this to a T they give you a personality assessment your auditory digital kinesthetic um auditory digital i took it and then they're like this is you i was like yeah this is an nlp test i've done one of these before and then they start to upgrade so these psychological tactics are what they use because that's what makes sense right Mm -hmm. and but it's not all the time a. Full understanding, and if you've you've chosen a path towards God, all the power to you. Because I think that that universal natural source is super important in any way you want to get there. Um, but but looking at the wars in which I did, that's kind of one of the techniques i use. So um, I just want to share well, all that because it's super. And that's important.
1: the thing. It's like how much? What are the trappings that are associated with that thread of truth? And you've swallowed the whole thing, right? Like yes. you think, and, and the truth of everything is what draws us to it. Um, So, everything is both. So, the all or nothing thing, hashtag and, is really what I say. Is it true? Yes. Is it not true? Yes. Potentially yes. Yes, yes, and yes. All of it. Is it good? Yes. Is it bad? Potentially yes. And when you, it, it's easy to look at it from that angle, Matt, but then you got people that are, that villainize, like even the horrible people in history. I just have a philosophy in my life that people, all do what they think is right. They're doing, they are well-intentioned. And even the most evil person you can think of probably had, or I just do believe they had good intentions initially and then got lost. And we all have gotten lost. So I don't sit in judgment of people that are seemingly so evil because they're But by the grace of, you know, God, go I. And how many times have I been perceived as evil when, and maybe I followed a path that was unaligned. I just call it you're out of alignment with your truer self, like who you really are, that pure sense of love. You're not aligned with that. That's when we sin is when we're not aligned with our true love, you know, essence, which is what we really are. And the more we're out of alignment with that, the wonkier we feel, the more conflicts we have in our life, the more monster tracks show up. So all oh, or nothing. All yeah. of
0: that's all of that's a super important thing because if we go around with with judging people, that's the whole idea. Judging another person's perspective, because then we're basic or like hating that other thing. That's a, that's a wrong thing. You're just giving that power away. Whatever you do is totally cool. If you're gonna come at me with like a weapon of sort, I'm going to defend myself. That's where we're going to get to. I can defend myself. Um, And even if we're having a conversation, I can offer my point of view, but I want to know your point of view. You know, that's why I went to the Parliament of World Religions and I do all these, I want to know their their point of view in full openness and in non-judgment so I can understand it and I can have my view. It doesn't need to to mean I need to change it, but maybe you'll offer me a truth that I didn't know through that openness, through that understanding. But when it's at all or nothing, and, and in hypnosis, again, they call them universal quantifiers, everything thing always never um that's where things can get squirrely and whatever your perspective is whatever your way of life is all good because i've been lost i could be lost now who freaking knows i could be so off i don't know um but i know i'm trying at least and i think intention is important and you know you saw before the podcast i always set the intention to let the co-creation be for the highest good of all because at least i'm intending because this is such a mysterious experience consciousness reality what's actually going on here looking and studying the brain and neurology and when you when you study consciousness and you're able to do things with your consciousness like quiet the mind and go into meditation for more than 10 minutes in silence and weird stuff happens you're like what am i even like what is this ghost in the machine that's running things so it gets mysterious and at that point you don't judge someone else because it's about your own involvement your own experience and if they're there um it's how you respond to that you know
1: and I think, well, and the thing to look at, again, everything is holding a mirror up to ourselves. We cannot not judge others to the degree we judge ourselves. Everything is a reflection of ourselves. So when people start rewiring to who they really are and let go of self-judgment, they also start treating people with compassion because they need to be treated, they, you need to start with you, treating you with compassion, feeling the compassion that you are, absolutely uh, aligned with at the true self level and what and when that happens it's amazing because I have muscle memory of judgment I was huge judger huge judger and I know that I, I I remember you know people I left in my wake you know as relationships you know um conflicts and relationships and I was a, I had huge opinions and judgments but that was to the degree I had it for myself first and love goes the other way You're never really going to fully unconditionally love someone else until you unconditionally love you. Because until you are rewired or rewiring to that deeper, truer you, every relationship, every person in your existence, whether you know them or not, will be only that to seek. You're going to have the glasses on of there's conditions around it because you have conditions around you. And you can't, even parents, Parents go, no, I unconditionally love my children. No, until you really get this about you, those kids are just going to be a reflection of one of your, how you're showing up and what you're perceived as, how many parents, you know, well-intentioned maybe, but at that deep illogical, inaccurate emotional level, they want their kids to prove the parent's worth through their kids. You know, like "You're, you're making me look bad kid, you know, by doing this. Well, they not, their job isn't to make you look good. That's never going to happen enough for you. You've got to do it on your own anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, composting. I want to yeah. add on to that too, because I'm thinking about all these amazing things that you're talking about. But I remember one time um, I was in this like circle and we were doing a, a breath meditation. It was a really powerful one. It's, And uh, anyway, this girl in the the circle, I was judging a a person, right? I was sitting there and I was judging them. And that's just like, oh, shit. And uh, this woman says, I don't know why I'm saying this, but uh, don't judge yourself for judging others. And I was like. Uh, you don't judge exactly. for judging. And I was exactly. like, Oh, that's so interesting because it's just how our mind operates. We judge. And then I, <laughs> then I judge myself. And I think about what you're saying and the idea of like having real, honest, authentic, unconditional love for yourself is the highest ideal of any human being. And I know very few people. even if I think about it, I know people who are close to that. And I've had a couple of people on the podcast. I think are pretty high up there, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful state to be in, and I think it's the most important thing we can do, especially if we're gonna we're gonna pass that on. Um, okay. So you know, what a, what an amazing aim to have, just to to um, get to that space of you know unconditional love for yourself. So I think it's it's such yeah. an important ideal to strive towards.
1: Because if I if I have that, it is, and and I even notice like that's why you just want to move to observer of what triggers you because it's, it's healing that piece of you that is still left over from that old survival brain that got, that was created from fear. And, uh, fear is the antithesis of love. And so we, even though our deep spiritual essence is, I believe we were created from a love energy, pure, pure, pure love. We're a piece of that, but neurologically, physiologically, we were created with fear. So that's why there's this conflict and in the Bible it talks about the spiritual man and the flesh, right? Well, this is I believe that's where this conflict lies is and you feel it until you can move to observer. When you move to observer, no judgment observer, like a scientist, looking at your reactions and your responses, your judgments as an observer and go, oh thank you. I I, I teach when you feel triggered Let that trigger, feel it, because you're gonna feel it. Move to observer, and then move to gratitude for it. Because as soon as you can move to gratitude, you're not gonna judge, right? And you're gonna be thankful for showing me, oh, you know why I got, you know why that made me mad? It's because that pushed the button of me not being in my configuration. I needed to be special, because I think the lie that I've identified in my little self was that I was only average. I wasn't good enough because average was my silver bullet word. And being special was my driving monster energy proving only in certain areas, though. I wasn't special in every area. That's what doesn't make sense either. But it doesn't matter. It's my configuration, and I have to learn how to observe it and go, oh, I got my button pushed a couple of weeks ago about not being special. And I didn't catch it for probably a week because it was just a slow burn. of The button was being pushed slowly, and I kept, and I go, oh, Oh my gosh, there's that energy. There's that feeling again. What's that about? Observer, breathe. Oh, okay. That's that. Okay, thank you. Because don't you, I mean, it wasn't about the people pushing it. That's blame is number 10, monster track. Because our natural survival brain is not going to have you be responsible for your life. It's going to be somebody else's fault. That's a protection mechanism for you. And it's illogical, emotional, emotional configuration. You're not going to take responsibility for yourself naturally. It's always going to be someone else's fault. And to the to the point of being right about how bad I am, I'm always going to have somebody, probably if I'm wired this way, which most people are, I'm always going to make sure I have somebody to blame. Because that's an important configuration of my ego, my my little self that's inaccurately, you know, functioning still as a three year old. Because I got, haven't you ever heard little kids fighting? Mom! it's his fault. No, it isn't. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. Like we're still that way. We just, we sound better because our logical brains have made us more socially acceptable. But if you go sit in board meetings or if you go sit in any kind of corporate setting, like I've been in before, like or church meetings or family discussions, but it's your fault. And if you hadn't done this, then I would have, right. That's a huge monster truck.
0: Yeah. And even, and even having accountability for our feelings, everything, when, when we have so many discussions on the podcast about enlightenment or awakening and, and people have an awakening experience. And I always think about like, what is the thing that is like, you had this mindset or belief or characteristic before and after. And one of the points for sure is accountability of everything. You, every single thing, how you feel, how you think your relationships, you know, cause even if someone says, Hey Matt, you're a bearded loser, I still take accountability for how I feel because if I don't feel like I'm a bearded loser, it's not going to hurt my feelings. I mm-hmm. give an example. I had the old uh, Learn to Snowboard website and the videos are still up. And uh, somebody recently commented it because I get the things uh, more in the winter. And it uh, says, uh, you know, it's, uh, no style. I did a backflip. I did a front flip. I did a, a 720. I did, a, I did very hard moves, right? But my style is a little bit mechanical. I wish I had better style. I do. <laughs> If you said that back to me in the day when I was snowboarding, I'd be like, "F you, man, you get over here, you know, come through that YouTube, say it to my face. And I'll I'll show you how good I am at boxing. It's so upsetting. But because I've passed that at this point now, it didn't hurt at all. You know what I mean? So at that point, if I accepted the accountability of how I felt, it's like, Oh man, that really hurts. Like what in me is not feeling good enough about my snowboarding? Is it because I need to be more worthy is what is that awareness? And if you bring up that awareness, um, You know, you're going to have more information. And, and like you just said about yours, that one took a week. When you get better at it, it's quicker and quicker and quicker because you're living in these emotional states. Most people are living in an emotional state of anxiety, of depression, of fear, of not being good enough, of all these lower states. We want to get into the states of inspiration, excitement. Why are we not waking up thrilled to be alive? Why are we not waking up confident, uh, kind, compassionate, enthusiastic, inspired, joyous? You know, and if you're doing that, that is fantastic. And if you're not, it's totally possible. And one of the things that I've done for myself recently, I feel like are very great strategic breakthroughs on how to do this. Because I always want to know how. It's great to do it in theory, but that's the logical mind, right? Like Einstein said, you can't solve uh, the same mind that has a problem, can't make the solution. You need to do something, change something. So one thing that I've done is that I do – um, three things a day that I can be proud of. So there's the three acts of kindness that I'll do, but you know I'll be like, what can I be proud of today? So at the end of the day, another part of that process is looking at something that I've done that I can be proud of, and I know that I'm proud of it. You know, I I held the door open for that uh, nice lady. I uh, volunteered. I did a podcast in a sense that that my my work hopefully could help someone else. And I bring up those emotions because for a long time, and still now, I did all those podcasts. I'd work all day, 60 hours a week, and I'd be like, oh man, I'm not getting anything done. All I did from morning to night was wake up and try to do podcasts and try to help people try to do this. But my mind was like, you are not, you didn't do all this other stuff. You didn't write this book you wanted to do. You didn't do this course you wanted to do. So it was never enough for my mind to even feel good trying to give back. So by by putting my attention on that and just being like, you did three things that you could feel good about, it's, it's starting to create new wiring. And the other thing that I think is important That I heard uh, Rachel Hollis say yesterday, and I was doing a a version of this, but I think she just put it in a much simpler way, is that so many people are not not confident and their self-esteem is so low because they continually break promises with themselves. You know, there's something that they want to do, like lose weight or write a book or what, and they just, they continually break these promises so they don't feel like they're not good enough. I keep my promises on, on one level very well and on others, not so well. So I looked and I was like, what are the things I need to be more clear on? Right. And I just wrote that down just one thing. And I didn't break that promise for a week in doing that, that really built that up. And that's a really big one. I think for people to understand writing down what promises are you breaking with yourself and all these emotional things and the monsters they're going to come up too because they're the reasons they're the reasons and the and the little things that make you miss that because they want to keep you where you are because it's safer here you know you want to explore to that green pasture but you got to get through this river and all these monster things you know it's like oh crap you know it's like that's dangerous we should sit here we should turn on america's got talent grab those cheetos because going to the gym is way too scary and we don't want to change things and what are our friends going to think and boom and so it's like all right just sit down so that was a huge rant but uh please take it please take it from there
1: well so no because you're bringing up another point for me which monster track number 11 which never made the book because i'm this is my predominant one i realized after the book came out which is control and so um And people that are probably listening to this, people that are awakening and growing and learning and discovering things, they're also probably, to a large extent, doers, movers, and shakers in their life because we are it feels like these kinds of people are on a quest of whatever. We're readers, you know, we want to know or we're willing to see things now that maybe we weren't willing to see before, whatever. But control for me is so big because I can get stuff done. Like I can make things happen. And I have, re- there's deep grooves of satisfaction <laughs> in getting things done, succeeding. You know, I built a very large business. I have income. I have time freedom. I have blah, 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 blah. I can create all kinds of stuff. I have a great family. But it's still all deeply seeped in uh, for me a survival mechanism of control. Okay, I got to make sure everything, and moms and dads, like parents, there is a certain amount of control that's, it's, is it good? Yes. Is it bad? Yes, right? It's learning that balance. As your kids grow and get certain ages, you know, I still have, I know of people who are still like, their kids go off to college and the family sends, the mom sends a laundry service to their kid's dorm to do their laundry and take it back because they just want to make sure. And this isn't judgment. It's just like watch and see how much of your world you think you are controlling because it's a myth. It's an illusion anyway. And it's only going to... Send you spiraling down to more and more and more. I can't do enough. I can't do enough because you can't. But when you realize it, so a word that came to me a few, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, well, no, actually, well, this principle came to me about a year ago, but this word came to me. It says, Relau. Relax and allow. So I, when you say find a way to build trust in yourself, yes and no. Because to your point, if it's monster driven, It's not going to be sustainable. Like I, in the weight loss world, I have a lot of people. Kim, hold me accountable. Hold me accountable. I'm like, no, not a true principle. You hold you accountable based on what you want. I'm going to help you shed the help you identify the tracks, shed the trappings, get down to the truer you. Because when we are connected to our intrinsic desires, based on our values, our core values, who we really, really are, then and it becomes like breathing for you to do these things or to, in my case, not do these things. So Matt, I'm living in a place of, I read this book called The Surrender Experiment. Do you know Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul? Holy cow. That book changed my life about a year ago. It was exactly scripture to me. Like I needed, that was a voice from God to me. That's where I identified control. To allow and surrender and not do something and not have everything all planned out. Like I've got a whole new program. I'm launched October 1st and I been a beta there's a beta group growing right now. And for me to not have it all figured out, me show up and alive in this group and go, well, you guys, we're co-creating this. What's up? I'm watching? I'm on a need to know basis. I'm not I've fought the urge to drive it, fought the urge to to make it happen. I seriously, and Matt, the more I do it. See, chatter, that voice says, Kim, you better because if you don't, no one's going to do it. They're all going to give up because they're all trusting you and you're leading them and what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? You better figure it out. Better go spend some time figuring that out. I notice the fear energy behind that, that monster energy like that. (gasps) And then I go, no, you know what? I may even go read a novel. I may even go play a game with my family. I may go do something that's seemingly lazy because I am not going To give into that voice, that fear, that drove me all my life, that I know it. And is it good? Yes. Is it bad? Yes. Like I'm not saying because as I let go of that impetus, that starting point is not for me having to control it. And I go, okay, I'm just watching, waiting for further light and guidance that I'm gonna get. Things to show up. Things show up, and it's like these miraculous synchronicity, infinite intelligence, all of this download from the universe shows up. And I didn't do it, right? Like I didn't force it to happen. These ideas that maybe I would have never even thought of on my own start showing up. And I'm like, wow. So I'm having confirmation. It's still, I still feel my deep grooves to go control, go make it happen, go figure it out. And I'm like, nope, nope. I'm actually going to stay in my sweats today. I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to go just listen to cool music. I'm going to play a game on my phone stuff I would never, I would have judged that. Like, come on, slacker, get busy. What are you doing? Wasting time, right? So I hear both of those things going in me. And to I don't know what I was originally going to say, but that control and letting go of control and making sure I, I, I see it in terms of my relationships. I have adult children at various ages of, adult, of adulthood. And so I can see the control monster coming out many times like no well just do what I'm telling you come on what's the problem come on I know, I know what you should do right here and anyway just control is a huge one number 12 was being shy when I deal with people and they say well Kim I'm just shy I'm like well what's that about shy sounds like you're worried about what people are going to think about you like you don't show up to your true authentic self you're not showing up in your world. And they go, Well, I'm an introvert. No, I have introvert members of my family who would not be characterized as shy. They just aren't extra internal processor. But shy means I'm fearful of something. I'm worried about being smart enough. I'm worried about you liking me, approval. Shy. Watch for the shy monster, because I really believe that it is a monster. And then unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is um, also rampant. It comes in with button pushing. Because when you offend me, I'm gonna hold that, I'm gonna hold something against you. And all of these things, and many people know about unforgiveness and how it really hurts the person doing it. Like you don't forgive someone because they deserve or don't deserve your forgiveness. You forgive everything, number one, because you've forgiven you, where it starts. And number two, it's because it only hurts it hurts you way worse than it hurts them. And so to let that go and to meet that that wound. With compassion, and it's kind of like, you know, um, hurt people, hurt people in a way, right? That phrase, I love that phrase. Um, And Jesus, even that example of on the cross when he says, Forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. It's not about me, it's about you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're this angry. I'm sorry that you felt you needed to say that hurtful thing to me or do that hurtful thing to me. And a lot of rewiring work, you're going to go back and do a lot of forgiveness for parents because they, even if they seemed evil, they, in their way, did what they thought at the time was the best thing. And you can't control that now. You can go back and and forgive it and rewire. So rewiring is a process, an emotional, it can start logically because that's who's going to decide if I'm going to go do this work or not, is going to be your logical brain. And the only way your logical brain is ever going to arrive at the decision of doing the rewiring work is if, I don't know, I hate to make a blanket statement here, most of the time it's because of the pain you're in. The pain you're in and is is it needs to be greater than this pain of facing this monster under the bed. Because, but when you get the fear that it, you're gonna have, when I did this for real when I was a kid and I lifted up that bedspread to see what was under there, of course I did it during the day. <laughs> At first, it's like wait, probably my mom was with me because I knew there was one. It wasn't in a belief or a thought. It was knowledge at the deepest, deepest level of me. I knew there was something under my bed when I was like six. And so that's what I'm talking about here. These things are so deep in us. They are our identity. They have what have, for the good, bad, and the ugly, they have formed us. And when you approach that with any kind of question or inquiry, it's going to feel like you're going to die. And there's three distinctions I talk about. Running to the roar is run to it. Like just go, do your taxes, get them done. Because once you get that done, you're going to feel so much better, right? Like, um, Do the thing that you think is going to be really hard if you can't, just go do it. Don't think about it. I love the five second rule, Mel Robbins too. Don't even think about it. If you take more than five seconds, you'll be talked out of it. Just run, go do it. But if you can't, there's a sneak up on the roar option, which I use in several areas of my life cleaning my kitchen cleaning anything cleaning out a closet if I just sneak up on it if it seems so overwhelming I can't deal with it then I just go you know what all I'm gonna do is this I'm just gonna put my shoes on to go out and run or walk I'm not gonna go walk I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get dressed for it but I'm not gonna do it probably it's okay and I get dressed put my shoes on you know what I'm just going to go to the end of the block and come right back. That's seriously all I'm going to do. And I go do that. I get to the end of the block. What do I do? Sometimes I come back to prove myself right, that that's all I'm going to do. And that's okay, because I'm not going to judge. And then I go, well, you know what? This is okay. I could go to the end of that block, right? Like I sneak up on it, and I don't trigger huge resistance. Resistance is what you don't want to trigger. That's the monster feeling. You're just arguing with yourself anyway. It's like I'm going, who am I talking to in here? But it's it's the other part of me. And then resting to the roar. And that's the description I'm giving to you right now, is I rest because that is, for me, in many instances, harder than running or sneaking up. Like it is, it's doing some deep, deep work for me to rest. And when I do that with trust, as my ultimate thing that I'm not in control of my life anyway. Like, honestly, I'm not, I'm not control. I'm not in control. I'm, I'm, and I don't want to be. Cause when I'm in control, I have to figure stuff out that I'm not good at. The universe is much better at figuring it out. Why don't I just let consider the lilies? The scripture says, consider the lilies. They don't toil. They don't worry. They just be, they just be, And as you just be and learn how to rewire to just being and knowing that your being is unconditionally valuable and loved and worthy and perfect as you are, because you be, because you live, because you breathe, you never needed to do anything and deconstructing unwiring and rewiring to worthy rewiring to unconditionally love aligning to who you truly are. That's where that's my mission. That's what I really am put on the planet. I believe to do helping people do.
0: That's amazing. You made so many awesome points there and I kind of wrote down a few things that I wanted to touch on, but when you were talking a while back it reminded me of this prayer that I love and it's uh, it goes, "Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference." I love that prayer because it's so important and as you continued I had this uh, realization recently when you're talking about sneak up on the roar. Um, I wanted to run a hundred kilometers in a month I, you know, I work out along a lot, but I don't usually run. I don't like running. It's not very exciting to me. It seems boring. I'd rather throw some weights around punch a punching bag, skateboard. I'll do anything, but run, run to me. It's not yeah. fun. Some people love running. It's just not right. my favorite, but I right. was like, all right, I'm going to run a little bit more, get this cardio up. Um, Cause I, I weigh a lot somehow and it's not, It's not fat, it's just way a lot. And um, so I ran 100 kilometers last month. And what I did was when I had a minimum, so three miles is pretty easy for me. So I'm like, okay, like I'll do uh, three miles. And most of the time, the goal is five. Like I'm like, if it's a day I'm feeling good, I'm, I'm gonna run five, but it takes a while. It takes like an hour. And so I just go, you know what? I'm gonna do three, that's easy. And most of the time I do four or five just by getting out and doing it. And it's the principle of, Um, you know, I have a cousin and uh, he wants to improve his fitness and he's like, you know, I'm trying to work out three or four times a week. And I was like, man, I was like, you got to change that mindset. You're not going to get anywhere with that because you've had the same result for so long. I was like, work out every day. He's like, what? I was like, work out every day. I was like, just show up at the gym and give yourself a minimum. I'm going to show up at the gym every day and I'm going to walk one kilometer. That's it. you want to do some bonuses you go ahead and you do some bonuses make the decision and commitment to do something that's so easy so minimal but consistent. And it will change you because, you know, that three, I don't feel like it today. Oh, I went hard. Now I'm tired. And it gets all wonky. The reason why I'm so in shape is because I do something every single day. It's a really high priority of mine and I make it fun. And I got myself these minimums. I got a pull-up bar. I got a kettlebell. I got all these ways to get the minimum done. And sometimes I miss it, but because it's a part of the way that I live, it transforms everything that I do. And I, you know, I find you know, that last part so interesting, the surrender and that concept, because it comes back to me like the yin-yang behind me. Um, you know, this allowing, and I've seen people do it really great, and I don't have a full understanding of it. I get the ideas and cause I know that we need to put effort and in martial arts, it's like, okay, you want to break stone with your hand, which I've seen masters do, which is pretty nuts. Part of that is Qigong and that is energy work and that's meditation. That's connecting to source, spirit, God, the universe, whatever you want to say and directing that life force energy. The other part is smacking a tree with your hands and your fingers to the point that there's dent holes in the trees for years. That's hard Qigong. That's taking action, um, inspired action, action. Ideally, inspired action. action. And so, you know, that finding that way to like to surrender to just what is to find appreciation in in what is but also to have that direction and trust. And I think that's where trust and faith because you'll know the action that you need to take. And I'm I'm not sure, you know, I think that a lot of this society that we're in is like this, we're going to biohack our way there, we're going to we're going to hack our way to flow state flow states earned i get that all the time on podcasts for sports and stuff they're like oh how do you do flow state i was like you know what i actually have the hack ways that are the best hack ways that you can find however there mean nothing between someone who's putting hard work discipline with a constructive practice to a meaningful goal so i find it um you know because the surrender thing it doesn't work in sport you know to the same way like in martial arts if i just surrender to not training. Um, and then it becomes process. But in the spiritual world of manifestation, there is like this huge surrender element, which I totally understand intellectually and spiritually. And I think it is the balance of the yin yang. And it seems like for you, your past was, was so go-getter. You know what I mean? For me, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I'll, I could loaf all day. I could loaf for months. And so I think that it's moving to the one side or the other to find that balance because they both exist right? If you want to do a book, you have to write down the words. The spirit is not going to do that for you, right? But if you want to write that book and you force it and the process is all janky and, and you hate it and it's like, oh, this is such a terrible process, right? But if you can go into there with the inspiration of like, spirit, please guide me. It's going to unfold as it should. I have full faith and trust thank you. All right. Now I got to show up and I got to do this. Um, Can I do it from a place of joy? Right. So I think we, we teeter back and forth and you know, I'm curious where you are in it with it because I always, because of just the athletic thing, I know the dedication and all the work that goes behind, but I think it's the idea of like, you're also surrendering to the outcome, right? When I show up to do a podcast, maybe one person watches it, maybe a hundred, maybe 10,000. I don't know, but I'm inspired enough in the idea of what I think that I'm doing that it can help others um, that I I show up and give it my best at that time. And so that's the surrender. I have to do it. And what I've noticed too, uh, recently was that when we're talking about those things that we're afraid of, I have done so many podcasts and have, have made the most amount of progress in podcasts because one thing I'm not worried about the content that's produced. I show up. That is the only different. The places in my life where i am not successful, I've been a little bit more afraid. I'm afraid how it's going to look. I'm going to be. I'm afraid if it's good enough. And this is like the courses and all the things that I've been creating and want to teach and have them all outlined and take them forever to do. It's because I'm more afraid of what it's going to do. With the podcast, I'm like, I could mess up. I could frig it up. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to show up. And so I think it was just a, an important distinction for myself, and I okay. wanted to share all that and get your feedback.
1: Okay. I love it. That's exactly right. And Yeah, no, that's exactly right. The things where you let go of the expectation of what you think you're doing or who you're, you know, it's the parable of the sower. I just keep talking. I just keep sharing. I keep sowing my seed. And it's not up to me to decide what soil it's going to plant in. Like that, that's not my job. Stay in my lane. Do the seed. Just sow that seed. Speak, you know, and it's funny, Matt, because um, I want to be part of the conversation. In fact, people have been saying to me, I don't know if you did. I can't remember. Recently, somebody said, why aren't you doing a podcast? And I go, well, I don't know. I travel a lot. and I'm busy. And so, you know, like, so? I'm like, okay. I don't know. I'm not a podcast listener as a rule right now. I've listened to a few, but I'm not, like, I have a lot of friends and family that are like, oh, I listen to this podcast. I listen to this podcast. So because I'm not in that world as a listener yet, maybe that's it. But I don't care. My commitment now with just showing up, I had I was writing in my morning pages. Do you do morning pages, artist Way? It's awesome. Anyway, and just in my journaling in the morning, it, uh, epiphanies come to me. It's like, it's like another form of allowing for me just to start writing and watch and see how the universe takes over my pen. But one of those epiphany things is, Kim, just show up. Just start, be in the conversation. Keep the conversation going because I sit back and sometimes I get so sad when I'm around the real world because I go, wow, is this – is this really how people are out there? Cause I'm not around normal people all the, like I'm pretty, I work from home and we travel and I'm just with my little circle. But when I get around like real people, I'm like, Whoa, there is so much conflict and heartache and pain and fear and stress. I mean, just I've unfollowed so many of these people on Facebook. So I don't see these horrible things, you know, anymore. I'm just trying to stay in my happy place. But I need to show up to be a part of a conversation to help the movement of awakening and higher level consciousness and, and, and rewiring to love and having people go, "Whoa, okay. Those who are ready to see it, will see it, you know, when they're ready. It's not up to me, but I just got to show up. So I love that your podcast, that was another confirmation for me. Like, yeah, you know what? I need to do that. Figure that out.
0: It's easy. I'll help.
1: Okay, good. Do it. Yeah it's, it's
0: super super easy. You you could be hosting this one. You just you set up the Zoom rather Well, than... I did for actually <laughs> you pretty much did it. Yeah, you pretty much hosted this <laughs> We're one in the, middle, for the, a whole, few minutes. Yeah. the whole blank spot. Yeah, so you're already in the game. Um, well, this has been fantastic. I, I know it took us a, a while to get to the second one, but I was so excited to have you back because of uh, the importance of the information. And in Zen, they'll talk a lot about how these universal principles aren't complicated and there's not that many. It's just that it's, it takes a whole lifetime to get through these things. Like you talked mm-hmm. about surrender and all these different things. These are concepts in Zen and and as a human being, everyone that is listening to this, if you're hearing this, your friends, your mother, everybody's dealing with this. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. So the better that you can be the example of overcoming that, of be, you know, we talk about energy and light. When you are all excited and enthusiastic, you know, you're showing the example. And they're like, Oh, why? Like, why aren't you, you know, people take it in different ways. Like, why aren't you shameful? You know what I mean? You leave your job, people start judging you and they'll crab in the bucket you because they don't understand it. And, but they think they're helping you somehow, right? Your parents will crush your dreams because they want you to be safe. Right. They're like, yo, if you're an accountant, you can get money. You can get, boots get a job you're not gonna die I like that you start to become an artist and do the thing that you want you might die you, might, you know what I mean and so you know they do it out of love but it's just it's just part of that process and so it's uh it's it's such a, these are such important concepts and we can only uh do our best to get better at them and and bringing awareness to them and tools to transform our neurology and the good news is That it is absolutely changeable. Anything in yourself that you don't like, anything you feel awful about, anything that you're fearful of, anything that you want to do and create, you can absolutely do. You have that right here. You have God, spirit, the universe, all of that within you, but it doesn't happen immediately. It happens over time and just be easy on yourself, but you can change the way you think the way you feel your circumstances in life um, and everything around it with, with simple tools and simple understanding just takes a little bit of work. So um, thank you so much for coming on. Feel free to add on to that and anything that you wish that had asked, anything that you want to share before we close?
1: Not that I can think of. I think people, if they've lasted this long, they're like eyes are glazed and they're probably deeply processing. So I think we're good. I think it's good. I think Matt, I just love you. You're just, you're awesome.
0: Ma, oh, thanks. I love you too. And I really appreciate you coming back on and your work. I invite people to check out your book because it's a very important read. And where can people just find you? Is it kimfisk.com?
1: Yeah, kimfisk.com. And I think I bought it with the E and the not E after the end of Fisk. Some people don't put Fisk on there. So the URL should work either way. Um, the book is on Amazon uh, Monster Under the Bed, Uncovering the Lie, or just Monster Under the Bed, Fisk. You should find it. It's on Audible, Kindle print. Um, there's also, for those of you who this might spark, and I, this is the first time I'm even saying it publicly. I don't know how many people are watching or would be interested, but this beta program I've talked about, um, it is, I'm not really publicizing it out yet too much because we're still in the throes of actually developing it, but it's good. It's really good. It's called Ignite Vision. So, uh, www.ignitevision.be. And really the opt-in on that website is a very cool uh, vision exercise that's using some of the principles you talked about, bypassing the conscious mind. It's not hypnosis, but it's a it's a relaxation meditation exercise. It's powerful. So even if you don't want to do my whole program right now, but you want to do the vision exercise, um, go try that vision exercise out. And there's a little questions after it. I'd love to hear how it, how it impacted you. You're going to need about 30 to 45 minutes completely undistracted, so plan that well. But I'd love to hear if that impacts anybody. And um, anyway, I'm just excited and grateful, Matt. Thank you so much for, for letting me share and for your heart that you're doing all the good you're doing in the world is is inspiring to me. So,
0: Well, thank you so much for the kind words and thanks for coming on. And yeah, Ignite Vision sounds super cool. I'll have to check that out. But yeah, thanks for everything you're doing too and for this discussion. It was awesome.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Okay. Bye. Thanks guys for listening. Bye. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Kim Reed Fisk. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I hope that you learned a lot. I feel like that was a very amazing episode as far as practical. Applicable advice for mindset neurology and how to really shape the beliefs because your beliefs are really shaping your reality. So I think that this was an amazing episode. I hope you felt the same way. If you want to share it and you want to support, please share this on Facebook. Take a screenshot, share on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair, share in blog, share in Reddit. Um, the direct shares are really what is key for this right now. As I said, iTunes is doing something to uh, I don't know why I'm not getting the reach that I should be getting. Uh, The show should be getting for these amazing people, these amazing messages, and this amazing education. So my listeners, you, please do what you can to share. It helps immensely. I know you're busy and have your world, but if you are getting value from this, please support the show. The best way to do that is to do a kind act today for someone else. Say a kind word. Write a friend you haven't talked to for a long time. Forgive somebody who you've been trying to forgive, like actually forgive them and let them know that you did. And uh, just do something. Just be a good person in the world that you walk in every day because we are all engaged in this incredible mystery called life. And and very few of us have any idea what the hell's going on. I certainly don't. And you probably don't either. You might think you do, but you probably don't, or you're probably pretending. And then other people pretend that they do even harder, it's like a mask, it's like poker we're all pretending to know what the hell's going on but we don't know what's going on, it's super confusing here so be kind to people and uh, that's like a real thing that you can do and and I think it's good um, because we're going to be engaged trying to solve the problems and the mysteries and puzzles we are all dealing with so kindness is awesome, Uh, be kind to other people if you want, you can also chip in on Patreon, that helps immensely so you know, even if you chip in something nominal, you don't even think about like a buck uh, 12 bucks for the year, it, it helps so much to keep this thing going and what else oh, for coaching just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and i'm just gonna wrap it up there uh, thank you so much for listening i'm wishing you all of the best i appreciate your timing attention sending you all of my energy good vibes and and uh just yeah energy and good vibes to you and wishing you all the best so let's come to a state of peace and coherence before we close it up so wherever you are just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle and every fiber of your being. With joy, peace, contentment, compassion, kindness, inspiration, motivation, enthusiasm, confidence and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.